And we're back, yo, it's the one and only, and I'm joined here today by a Latino legend, someone I grew up listening to. Look, for those that don't know, I've shared the story before. My mother used to own an independent record shop. She did since the time that I was born up to the time I was 12 years old. And this man's music mm -hmm. that I'm about to introduce uh, actually played a big part in my childhood. He is the one, the only talented vocalist, incredible songwriter, the one, the only Pita Studio. How are you doing today? Wait a minute, wait a minute, first is first. You do look like KB, man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> man, I, oh, man, I appreciate you joining us on the show, man. <laughs> but, hey, first of all, man, I'm, I'm messing around. First of all, thank you so, so much, Lorenzo, you know, for taking your time. And, of course, all your uh, all your fans out there, all the people that watch you and, you know, watch your shows, este, your, your podcast. Este, un saludo muy cordial de parte Pita Studio, and thank you for the invitation. Man, thank you. Look, man, look, I, you know, this is this is the cool thing about everything that's been going on. Obviously, the Selena series hit Netflix. It's a big deal right now. It was number one across the board in all the countries. And it kind of created this resurgence and interest level for everybody that was associated with not only her, but the band. And, you know, so it just kind of started working in my mind because I had interviewed AB several months back. Not, not even in reference to the show, just because I wanted to tell his story. And I said, you know what, man? I, I need to I need to track down Pita Studio. So I went on I went on a manhunt on social media, and I found you. Uh, and then I just stayed really persistent. And I, here we go, man. We we're, we're here now. And uh, you know, before we get into the whole Netflix series stuff, and before we talk about Selena, we want to know about you because, like I've told you, man, I spoke to you the other day, and, and I let you know firsthand that I have the utmost respect for you, and you are a, a true legend in the in the music industry, man. So uh, let's get into it, man. Let's go by the first of all, you're, you're, you're too kind. I've just been extremely blessed in my life, you know, to be with the people that I've met throughout the, my career, to have done the things that I've done and experienced so many beautiful things throughout my career. I'm, I'm just extremely blessed. And I thank God every day for, for everything that he's given me. I mean, I, he's given me more than I even ever expected or could ask for. It's, it's been a, a really incredible journey, an incredible ride. And I'm really, truly blessed. And thanks, thanks again for taking your time. No, absolutely, man. Like I told you before, man, you know, I think the one thing about, you know, the generations that come in after our generation is like, you know, now we have the social media era and the YouTube era and people are consuming, you know, digital content, you know, just different the way that we did when we were younger. And so it's really important for, for these platforms to really, you know, shed light and give flowers to our legends. And like I said, man, you, you know, you, you've played a big part in, in our culture. So I want to tell your story. So. Uh, here we are, man. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Man, it was, uh, like I said, I, I'm like, uh, I'm from Laredo, Texas, man. Coming, uh, come from Mexican parents, of course, from uh, El Estado de Guerrero, Mexico. Mm. And I'm the first, first, first born of both sides of my parents. I'm the first American citizen, man. So I'm very proud of that. But of course, I'm very proud of my Mexican roots and uh, migrant workers, you know, that's what my family used to do. And that's what I did till I was about 13 years old. Never was into music in the sense that my family is, has any part to do with, had to do anything with it. Like I said, we came from a very humble house, very humble home and migrant workers. And like I said, then after that, we got in the restaurant business for a little bit, which was kind of the same concept, you know, that my dad was trying to get everybody working and keep the family together. So we did the restaurant business for, for uh, many years. But I always had that music in the background, and I, I, you know, there, there was something, there was a passion inside me that I knew I wanted to do something with music. I just didn't know how to go about it since I didn't have any experience. I really 
didn't have anybody, like I said, in my family that was music. And uh, so I had a really normal childhood, man. You went to high school, you know, graduated from high school, did a couple of years of uh, junior college here in Laredo, Texas. And uh, at that time, that's when I started kind of trying to get into music somehow. And that's about the same time uh, I met a, a little Mexican from Laredo too, <laughs> via Chicago named Joe Herrera. So, so, so what got you into music? Like what made you actually want to pursue it? Like, was there a specific group of artists that you looked up to that you were like, these are the guys that made me want to get into music. Uh, you know, you know, basically was there anyone that truly kind of ignited that, that fire within you? You know what? It, it was just a passion inside me. Like I said, I knew I had it. I was started writing very young. I would write little poems and stuff like that. I didn't, I mean, of course I know, I didn't know how to make a song per se, but I had the ideas in my head and, but like I said, I didn't know how to go about it. Some of my major influences, they're all across the board, actually, because, you know, my parents used to listen to, you know, Maria, Musica de Mariachi, of course, Banda, which is, wasn't popular very much so back then, but in Guerrero, in the Estado de Guerrero, it is very popular. Este, but we used to listen to Banda, Mariachi, Jose Alfredo Jimenez, Peor Infante, Javier Solis. And then on my brothers and sisters' side, you know, the cumbia side, you know, Rigo Tobar, even the, uh, even the Colombiano, the Sonora Dinamita and stuff like that. And me personally, one of my biggest idols to this day is Jose Jose. And he was the, he, he's probably one of the major influences as far as like the, the, the style I like to sing. I like to sing ballads. Of course, I know we're Tejanos and we do a lot of cumbia and racheras, but you know, romantic ballads, that was really what really get me. And Jose Jose, uh, was probably one of my biggest idols. And fortunately, I did get to meet him a couple of times man, throughout in, in my lifetime before he passed away, obviously. And man, it was an incredible experience. But I would say Jose Jose on the singing side. Uh, and of course, at the same time, we were big rockers. You know, it's, you know, I grew up in the late 70s when I was a teenager into the 80s. So everything from Zeppelin to uh, Journey, you know, Foreigner, uh, you name it, all the rock stuff, Kiss, Sabbath, and into, and, and, and uh, so we, I had a weird, I think that happens a lot to a lot, not a lot, but I'm, uh, of, of people that live on the border, because we have that influence from both sides of the border. You know, we want to be teenagers, we want to be rebellious, we want to rock and roll, but then we have the influence of our parents and our siblings, and I'm the youngest of eight, so I had seven siblings, you know, that I, I got a lot of influence from. So at what point did you form the group, Los Bad Boys? Well, like I said, after a couple of years of college, I got in the restaurant business with my family still. And then at some point, I opened up a restaurant in 19, what was it, 1984? I opened up a restaurant in, in Loveland, Colorado with, with another brother of mine. And I did that for about a year and a half or two. And at that point, that's, I said, you know what? I'm not getting any younger, man. And if I'm going to do, if I'm going to get try to go for this music thing, which I had no idea how to do it. I need to do it now. So I came back to Texas in 85. I got back into college and then my, I started taking vocal lessons to try to you know better myself and get more involved with music. And my teacher was very encouraging and she pretty much told me, you know what? You just need to get involved in anything that has to do with music, whether it be a choir, be a church, a wedding singer, so I started doing, uh, you know, even theatrical plays. So I kind of just threw myself at it and I started doing theater. I was singing at church. I was doing weddings. And at that point, uh, a mutual friend 
uh, told me about this young man that was a really good keyboard player that was looking for a singer. So I met, we met through a mutual friend and this was back like in 85. And the, from the moment Joe and I met, man, we kicked it off and there was a really good chemistry there. So his idea was to make a full band. And he already was talking to some people. But then when I met him and we just started playing him on the keyboards and me singing, and he had a little drum machine. So he, we started, he started messing with that. And, it, and I said, like, why do we need other musicians? This is pretty good, like the way it is. So we kept practicing and, and little by little, I said, you know what? This might be just the way to go. It's only two of us. You know, we, we, we don't have to charge very much. You don't have to deal with other people. It sounds good. So we went on and, and became the bad boys in, in that sense. And, and, uh, and it was, but we were clueless, man. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea, you know, how to go about it. We knew we knew about 10 songs and we wanted to work. And I think my first gig was my neighbor, my neighbor's daughter was getting married and my dad being a proud dad told him, well, my son has a band, you know. <laughs> of course, it was just two of us and, and we had never played anytime or anywhere for that matter. We just practiced. So my neighbor's uh, daughter approached me, goes, hey, I heard you have a band. I go, well, it would look more like a duet. So she hired us to play for her wedding, and that was the beginning of that. And and uh, and and then, uh, like I said, my, my brother was in the restaurant business still, like the family, and he had a catering service in a salon de bailes, not de bailes, you know, like quinceañeras and stuff like that. So I reached out to him, and I go, you know what, next time you know somebody needs a band, you know, you know, tell them to think about us. We're cheap, <laughs> you know, we're cheap. There's only two of us, and uh, so I started getting a lot of work with my brother. Man, that's awesome. Real before I go any further, what was the name of the restaurant? The restaurant that my family had, the first one we had was named Safari Restaurant because it was part of a little motel. It was a Safari Motel, the Safari Restaurant. The second restaurant that we opened up was named after my dad, Don Pedro's. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. so it's funny, to the next question, which was, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you if it really was a two-man band, because I think that's pretty incredible to have a two-piece band and actually go out there and perform, you know, like... <laughs> I'm telling you, I think our, our stupidity and being so naive was made us brave because, you know, we were we were a little, I mean, you, when you're that age, when you're a little fearless at the same time and you're so green and naive that, that you really don't take it all in. And I think that in a way kind of helped us. Um, so we, like I said, we started working gigs at my brother's uh, salon, you know, and, and we would get quinceañeras and weddings. And like I said, for, for two guys, you know, Joe, man, he's, Pretty incredible considering we had really rinky dinky i mean like radio shack equipment you know a little keyboard and and he really made it work and he and and we made a lot of noise for two mexicans man i'm telling you man we made a lot of noise and i think our, our big break came out we got hired to play the flea market in uh in an old warehouse and we went in and played and it was, I mean, Laredo heat is horrible, man. So it's probably about 110 degrees, you know, techo de laminas, and it's hot as hell. And only, uh, I think only my mom and my grandma and his mom and his grandma were sitting down watching us. And there's a couple of people shopping there. And we played one set and then we took a little break. So I went around walking around the, the flea market, you know, just to check it out. And 
there was a DJ doing a live remote to promote the flea market. And uh, he saw me and he waved at me. And then I went up to him and it was a friend of mine, not a really good friend, but somebody who I knew. And his name is El Bird. They said El Locutor Numero Dos. I don't know if you've heard of him. El Bird. As a matter of fact, he's the one that signed the Carcacha, the Costa Costa. And he also did the Selena Live album. So at that time, he was working for a local radio station, like I said. And he goes, what are you doing, man? You're shopping around? He goes, no, we're actually playing over there in the corner, man. And he goes, I didn't even know you sang. He goes, no, we just started, dude. We did a little two-man band. And he goes, I'll go check you out when I'm done with a live remote. So he went over there and checked this out. And I remember seeing him standing there. He's kind of like nodding his hair, man, nodding his head. And, and we finished up, man. And he like goes, you guys are really good, man. <laughs> you guys are really, really good. He goes, he, I didn't. I don't think he said why you're playing at a flea market. <laughs> I would have said because they're paying us. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, uh, why don't you do the the local bar scene? You know, the clubs. You know, the salones de baile and stuff like that. He could do, he could, to be really honest with you, he could, we're not known. The fact that we're only two persons sometimes kind of turns people off because they don't know what we're capable of doing. Just two persons. And honestly, I already kind of offered myself to pretty much everybody in town. And I've even offered myself for free. Like, you know, like, just give us a chance. And they won't even hire us. He goes, are you serious? Goes, yeah, I'm serious. Goes, I get a lot of work through my brother, you know, through, you know, through weddings and stuff like that, or little parties or family. Goes, but no, none of the clubs will give us a chance. And that's when he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get you all a gig. And he, was the, he happened to be the DJ at a club called Roxy's. Here in Laredo, there was a, it, was a, it was a disco at the time. But on, on Tuesdays, they would do Tejano Tuesdays. And he goes, I'm going to get you in on Tejano Tuesday. He goes, you know, when it's that, whenever we need a band last minute or something, I'm going to get you in. He goes, we probably can't pay you. We'll get you the exposure you, you need, la, 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 la. Sure enough, he got us, man. He got us a game. And there was a couple of locals, you know, a couple of barflies that were there and our families. But besides that, it was kind of dead, you know. Fortunately, the, the club owners, you know, they liked this. And they say, hey, you guys sound really good. And that's when they, they kind of, I think it was Bird's idea. He goes, you know what? Next time we get a big band in here that draws a good crowd, we'll bring you in. He goes, that way you guys can open up for them and uh, get some exposure, you know, get, get, get people to know you. And it just so happened that the next big band that came in there was Selena Ludinos. And the rest is history, man. The rest is history, man, pretty much, man. It was... Uh, it was a it was a heck of a day, man. You know the the, the whole experience. You know, you know, it was our first of, official gig like at a club club. You know, besides the one we did before that nobody showed up. And of course, at that time, this was like around 1988. And Tejano, you know, was doing well at the time. Some of the big bands were La Mafia and Mas. And Selena, even though she was kind of still getting her feet wet. You know, she had been do doing, you know, she had been doing the, the music for years, but she wasn't still like not that hot. But in Laredo, she would do really well, like really, really well. So we knew it, we were expecting a good crowd that night. So we were excited just to be part of it, man. Well, you know, obviously the, the series came out. So people kind of saw some of that story told in the series. Mm -hmm. But the way that it was told in the series was always, you know, you know, they, they always do the, the Hollywood aspect to it, where they, they add the touch of Hollywood to it. But the way they made it seem was these guys just 
saw you and were like, yo, those guys are really good. And then you guys were sh uh, approached shortly thereafter about, you know, playing with the band and joining the band. How did that actually happen? Believe it or not, that part is really true, man. I mean, and like you said, you know, they, they go Hollywood. You know, I mean, with the movie, the same thing. I mean, they get the gist or the, the, the basic idea. But uh, leading up to that performance that night was a really hectic day and it's too long of a story. But bottom line, we played and in, in, all, in all honesty, we almost didn't get to play that night because it, it, it was confusion and the stuff going on. And then we almost didn't play, but the bird, I think the bird, the DJ, convinced that, hey, let him play, man, let him play a little something. But I think Abraham decided, or either the promoter, Abraham decided, you know what? We're gonna let Selena do her set like she always does it, you know, like get up on stage like she was supposed to. Cause we weren't getting advertised, like the bad boys weren't on the bill. <laughs> we were just kind of like an extra little thing. And uh, so she ended up playing and then Bird goes, you know, once she gets off, you guys jump on stage, man. And, you know, do your thing, you know, you got like about 15, 20 minutes, you know, do your thing. So the moment that Selena and Ludinos got off stage, we jumped on stage and we started playing. And I remember the first song we did was a Ramerera song, you know? Yeah. Funny enough, after that night or, you know, months later, they told us, cause we didn't know that when they were, they were actually leaving the club cause they were gonna be on a break till the next set. And that's when we started playing, they were going out to the bus. And when they heard us playing, they were like, that can't be them, dude. That, that's only two dudes, man. They can't be them. So they all were saying that to themselves and they came back in the club. And then that's when they went into the office and then they started looking through a little window that was there. Like, it is them, man. It's, it's those two, it's, it's the bad boys, you know? And they, they listened to our set. And later on that night, uh, Abraham, I mean, actually everybody came up. Baby, we were loading up our stuff and Baby came up. And I think at the time, Jesse Barra was the guitar player, I think. Anybody, I mean, everybody just came up and even Selena and Suzanne, they're like, oh, you guys are, I mean, they were like so nice. We were freaking out that they were being so nice to us. And he was like, man, you guys sound really good. And then Abraham came up to me and he started asking me questions like, well, who, who does your bookings? Like, who does my bookings? Uh, we do the bookings, so who manages? So he started asking all these questions. He goes like, this is it, man. We're the roadies, we're the musicians, we're the booking agent, we're promotions, we're everything, it's just Joe and I. And I think, I mean, it's been a long time, but I, I could have sworn he kind of looked at me and he said, do you want to work? And we, yeah, I want to work. And he handed me a card and he said, call me next week. And sure enough, I called him the following week and we started discussing that. We started just telling me, you know, the way they work, you know, strict policies, what he expects from us. And that's when he goes, you know what? I want you all to open up some, some shows for Selena. And, uh, and would you be interested in that? I was like, heck yeah. So that's how we started. But that happened that same night, believe it or not. It was one night that all went down one night. I mean, we were at the right place at the right time. But I'm telling you, leading up to that night, there was many, at least three or four times that Joe and I could have said, you know, we don't need this, man. This is a headache. And God willing, one of these days, I'll write it all in a book. <laughs>
<laughs> and and it's, like, it's a really long story. But bottom line, at the end, we you know, we stuck to our guns and, and we took the punches and we took the, the blows and, and you know, we, we did what we had to do. And we continued and we played and, and it paid off and it was, and it paid off huge because I mean, it was, that gig changed our lives yeah. forever, forever. And it was the beginning of a beautiful thing, man. I mean, I don't want to sound like Casablanca, but it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship, a beautiful, a beautiful uh, it was the beginning of our careers. Yeah. And we, we opened up for them throughout that year that was 88 into uh, the end of that year. And then the following year, we became official Dinos. Real quick, I, I don't want to skip any steps. I know I mentioned the series. I know that you recently said that you finally watched the series. Mm -hmm. there, was a delay, there was a delay from the time that it came out to the time that you watched it. What are your thoughts of the series in terms of the accuracy, in terms of the portrayal, just in terms of the series as a whole? How did you feel about it? You know what? It, it was really good, man. It was really good. I mean, my congratulations to all the actors, just in case they're watching, and uh, production team, you know, everybody from the bottom to the top that they put it together, including, including the Quintanilla family. It was really good, man. I, I know, because I've seen on social media, I mean, there's from zero to 100 and 100 to zero, and in between, and that some people don't look like it. And I mean, and it's hard, man, to get everybody to look exactly the way we did. But I think the personalities were caught, you know, like uh, Ricky Vela and Joe and Chris and, of course, Delina, Suzette, Amy, Abraham, Marcella. The personalities were caught. I mean, do they look exactly? No. Actually, Abraham does look pretty much like Abraham. And uh, I think he's one of the closest. Selena, I think Selena did look like her. The thing is, I think we all have that, that image of J-Lo from the movie. And I really believe that J-Lo played a better, older Selena. And I think uh, this young lady played a better, younger Selena. I think she looks better. And I think, so they, I think they have good things on both sides, but I think they did great. As a matter of fact, my character, I thought he kind of captured my, my, I'm kind of goofy and, and, and <laughs> silly. And, and, and dude, I've always wanted to be tall. So <laughs> I got my dream finally. I prayed to God every day, please make me tall by morning. I finally got my dream. I'm tall in the movie, in the show, man. But I think he does capture that spirit. And Ricky, Ricky Vela, who I love to death, was one of my best followers here. We're all great friends. And they kind of captured that kind of, he was kind of like the nerdy um, uh, <laughs> Guy kind of do all these little tidbits of information, and he was like a techie guy. He was a techie guy with a band, and but he was—I mean, he's still—he's a sweetheart man. So I think, I think in that sense, they did capture the the essence of who we were, the relationship that we had as a band, because we were like brothers and sisters, even us that were none blood. You know, we that we—that's a relationship we had, and you know, Abraham treated us all equally. You know, like there wasn't like okay, you guys are employees. I'm gonna treat you different than my kids. We all got the same, which wasn't cool all the time. But nonetheless, you know, it, it was, but I think they did catch the essence of it, man. I, I think they did a great job. Did, did you communicate with the actor that played you at all? No, I did not. I did not. I, I think, well, you know, I don't know. I was gonna say, I think some of the other people did, but I'm not sure. I don't know, I don't, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. They, I, I saw a, a few videos that the cast said that they never communicated with uh, the people that they were portraying because they wanted to kind of 
just own the role without having any additional influence. But for you, it was really interesting because I was I was curious because in the movie, you were you played yourself, obviously, you know, <laughs> and so. And going to the movie, I think that the expectation level was set so high because that movie, Selena, now, and especially in Mexican-American culture, right? In Mexican culture as a general, in general, it's become a staple. Like, that's one of those movies that's just part of the collection now, you know? And 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 the standard was raised so high, you know, credit to Jennifer Lopez, who I'm sure you got an opportunity to spend some time with during the role uh, of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she she, uh, she did a phenomenal job of playing that role and she set the bar extremely high. But I think the series was great as well. I, I really enjoyed watching the process, but I think it's important to hear from you because you you I'm sure you're watching this and you're having to relive you're reliving some of this a little bit, you know. You 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 really do, and, you, and you're correct. I think the bar was set so high with the movie. You are absolutely correct. And you know, J Lo, man, she did incredible. Eddie almost, uh, uh, John Seda, uh, Jacob Vargas, Peter Studio, incredible. <laughs> uh, Ricky Vela is also. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Ricky Vela plays himself in the movie too. That's the real Ricky Vela in the movie. I do have a question about the movie. There's a specific scene in this movie that you mentioned to me whenever I spoke to you the other day, whenever it's one of the most iconic scenes in that movie, whenever the, the bumper comes off and the, the, the bus breaks down and then you have the cholos that are like, we'll do anything for Selena's. And it made it seem like that was like in the middle of uh, the desert or something or in the middle of the country. But you actually told me that that scene in real life took place where? Well, you know what? It's funny, and, and, and this is not like breaking news because I've done this, I've, I've told this story before, and I even, I think I even said it before the movie was even filmed because we would always talk about dumb things and you know, things that would happen to us on the road. That happened in Dallas, man. That happened <laughs> in Dallas, Texas, at a place called La Bamba. If you're 40 and over, you might remember. It was down, it was not downtown, it was like on a, a lemon, Lemon Street, that yeah. area close to downtown and it was it was, a, it was like the big Tejano club at the time and we were loading up the equipment we had loaded the, the, the night ended we had to load up the equipment and the way we would load up the equipment was we were literally parked on the street which was very dangerous but by two or three in the morning you know it's not that bad so with the park the, the bus would be parked in the parking area which was all tierra you know it wasn't like paved or anything like that so that night I remember particularly that Abraham was really tired and uh, and he was, I remember he was kind of mad. He was like, why do I have to wait around to drive the bus because none of you can drive the bus, you know? And the other driver, main driver of course was AB. He goes, why do I have to wait around? Like, I need to go get some rest. Because you all, when you're ready to load up, drive the bus around the club, park it, you know, load up and, and do your thing. So sure enough, he left and uh, AB had to drive the bus and like I said, it wasn't a paved parking lot. It was it was uh, dirt. And there was a bunch of uh, puddles because he had rained. Mm. So he's coming around the bus. And sure enough, he misjudged the puddle. And boom, you know, we, we sank into the puddle. And we did everything, man. All of us were, of course, we're freaking out first of us because Abraham's going to kick our butts. <laughs> but we're, we're putting pieces of wood underneath the tires, towels and blankets and stuff. And then that's when the lowriders showed up and, and th but they couldn't get us out either, man. And eventually there was a big up. 
those big uh, uh, trash trucks, the big of the dumpsters. It was came in to big of the dumpster. And we said, you know what, maybe we can get these dudes to push us out. So we went over there and we begged them, man. They can you please, man, just push us out, push us out. And, and they took the hooks where they, put the, where they pick up the dumpsters. And we put some boards <laughs> in the back. And they didn't want to do it at first because they thought it was a liability thing. He goes, how about if we jack up your buzz? Blah, 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 blah. But bottom line, that's how I remember that. That's what they got us out of there, man. Wow. <laughs> I was in Dallas, Texas at Club La Bamba. There you go. If you're, over, if you're over 40, you probably do remember going there. I'm, I'm right under the mark. <laughs> but I was going to ask, so, you know, on a personal level, you know, because I know that you waited a while to watch the series. And, you know, I don't know if you ever watched the movie. You know, I, I don't see, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's just a personal question. But on a personal level, like, is it hard for you to rewatch some of the stuff? Like, cause you know, you relive it and like, I'm sure it makes you emotional kind of reliving some of that stuff, but is it hard for you on a personal level to kind of watch the series on TV? Yeah, man, as a matter of fact, that's why it took me so long to, 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 to watch it. And, and, uh, and it was kind of the same thing with the movie, even though with the movie I was involved, I was there on set and stuff. And we were allowed to, at the end of the day to go see what was filmed, but I would never do that either, man. And, because I didn't really want to see it because you said, like you said, you're watching it, you're reliving those moments and they're bringing back emotions. There was a lot of beautiful moments, a lot of funny moments, but then the, the real deep ones and the real hard ones, they're hard to watch, man. And I remember the first time I watched the movie was at a premiere in Corpus and man, and it, and it just, I mean, it was beautiful and it was emotional and it was a tearjerker and we were laughing, but it was, it was really hard. So I kind of was reminded of that with the series um, and everybody was, you know, my family and stuff like, let's watch the series and everybody's all excited and stuff. And I like, I think I'm gonna do a solo on this one guys, if it's okay with you guys. I don't wanna do some ugly crying in front of the family. And uh, so it took me about a week later that the series came out and it took me several days, man. But but it, it is, it takes you back. It takes you back and I mean, like I said, it's beautiful work that they're doing. It's a beautiful thing that they're doing. But at the end of the day, we're reminded that the reason they're doing this is because we no longer have somebody very special with us. So it's 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 really emotional, man. I mean, like I said, kudos to everybody that was part of it. It's incredible work. But it, it is, man. It's an. I mean, even when we listen to music or even we see, we see old videos of our performances, it takes you back, man. It's tough. It's a beautiful thing, but it's really tough. It's one of those. That's really bittersweet. I'm sure it's bittersweet. And you know what? One thing I wanted to ask you is that the Recording Academy just announced this week that they're going to be honoring Selena at this year's uh, Grammys, I believe. I know, man. You know, they're going to be doing a big award for her. And, and obviously, it's well-deserved. it's well deserved. She's an icon, a legend. But on a personal level, I do want to know, this is a simple question. When you think of Selena, uh, you know, everybody has this, this larger-than-life, you, know, uh, you know, perception of her and she is. On a personal level, what is the one thing that you would say that you miss about her personally? Oh man, it's I guess I mean, bottom line, you know, and I know it sounds it's gonna sound cheesy, but her friendship, man, she was really a, a good friend of mine. She was like a little sister per se, you know, or or a really good. I mean, she was she almost felt like family. I mean, all of them, but you know, just the person that she was, she was silly and goofy and kind of. <laughs> kind of uh, I mean, she was nuts. And I mean, she just had so much life and 
she just she would just brighten up a room. You she would walk in, her laughter. I mean, she was just such a unique. And I know everybody says, well, it's easy to not easy, but you know, you say those things because she was part of your life. But I swear, she was such an incredible, giving, humble, beautiful human being, and with so much talent, and 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 it was effortless to her. It, it was it was she she got what they call that it factor. You know that 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 it she had it in abundance and and on top of that she was such a nice person she really 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 was and there was I would I would always be astonished that she'd be doing these autograph sessions and she literally man every person that came through there literally I'm exaggerating she would have something nice to say about them you know or or a little girl like, oh my God, I like your earrings. Or, oh, your shoes are beautiful. But she wasn't just saying it. She really, it was sincere. It wasn't she just trying to play the part, you know, that of the nice artist. She really, really meant it, I swear. And and I, I would sit there and just watch her like, I, I'd be amazed at, at the kindness in, in her heart and the beautiful person that she was. That's amazing what she is and uh, truly is one of one. And and then I think you, you, my friend, are also one of one. You know, I know we talked about the. You too kind, brother. But thank you. I know you talked about your your part of your career with Selena and Los Dinos, but somewhere in 1994, you go solo, and I, you know, and, and and when you decide to go solo, what was the decision to go? I'm going solo. How did that happen? Was it a label that approached you that you know ultimately led for that to happen, or was it something that you know as you're playing with this band over the years? I mean, granted, you have this camaraderie, this brotherhood, this family that that you've inherited from playing with the band and, and grinding and hitting the road for years. What was that decision for you to say, you know what, I really want to try to do this on my own? Because there's a few things in between that I want to touch on here in a second, but I want to know that. The, well, the thing was when, when, when Joe Hale and myself and began opening for Selena at the Bad Boys, the idea that Abraham, I think in the back of his mind was to eventually form a big band around us, like a full band. Because he, he said, you know, you guys are talented, but we need a full band you know, to take you to a different level. So when we joined the band, that was the other step. He goes, you know, we're gonna bring you to the band, get you even more exposure. And, you know, we, we're gonna build you up and then we're gonna do, you know, we're, we're gonna do the, the band again, you know. So every, every, those, those steps were really, in order to kind of prepare us to go solo eventually, because that was the idea. But the thing is, one year became two, and two became three, and three became four, and like, and it got really comfortable, and it got to the point that we were, it was like a nice little machine that we got there, you know, you know, I would write with AB, and AB would write with Ricky, and you know, Joe, and Chris, and Ricky, you know, part of the arrangements. So it became a really nice, well-oiled machine. So at some point, even though I was recording solo albums, because my first solo album was in 1992, but that was backed up by Londinos. So even though I was recording, I think the whole idea about Miko and solo kind of went out to the left. You know, I, it really wasn't priority at that point. And at some point in 19, was it 90? I in 90, by the end of 93, you know, Abraham kind of, kind of brought it up again. Like, you know what? The original plan was, for you to go solo and he goes, we already have an album out on you. You know, you're really capital in my records now. So it was more of a, an idea for management, you know, like, you know, it's time to really 
Because if, in, in, if we're going to be really honest, I kind of really didn't want to go, man. The thing is, we were, I was in an incredible successful band. We were doing incredible music with people I loved. Um, we had this incredible bus now. We had roadies. We were finally enjoying all the, the fruits of the labor. And now, now I'm going to start all over again, which I mean, which, which was the original plan. But I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. I wasn't like jumping for joy or, or trying to get out there and do my thing. I, I was happy, happy, happy as could be, doing what I was doing. And then the more I thought about it, and of course, you know, Abraham was my manager, so you know, it's either way, you know, it's time to do it. Let's do this. And I knew in a way things weren't gonna change that much because I was gonna be opening up for Selena with my new band. And what I did for several shows at the beginning of the year of, of 90, of 94, uh, I would open up for Selena with my band and then I would go change and I would jump on stage and play with the Dinos. So it was kind of the same thing, but it's, it, 95 was an incredible year. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 94 was an incredible year for the Dinos. So they started doing these huge gigs, you know, in Mexico and South America. So some of those gigs, I didn't go with my band. So I started playing less with them and uh, as they got bigger, but I was doing my own thing with my band. But the thing is, but as far as the production part of it, you know, we were still writing together. We were still, it was still the same management. So in that, in that sense, in hindsight, would I have left? No, I mean, it's, it's but it, it is what it is. And, but we were still, you know, there was still a lot of communication between all of us. In a sense, you never really left. You just kind of <laughs> really left. Like I said, and we would we would get together. You know, like I said, they were working a lot. At that, I mean, '94 into '95. Well, even '93, man. Actually, man, in the '90s, man, we were working like animals, man. We yeah. were three, four nights a week. Uh, I don't know why they even call them tours because. They weren't really tours because it was just nonstop. It was, it was never ending. You know, and I think, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to interview and I wanted to have a conversation with you is, you know, obviously in terms of your success as Pira Studio, but, you know, as far as Selena and Los Dinos, you played such an intricate part, not only from playing with the band, but also from, the, like you mentioned, writing music. And one of my favorite stories uh, on you is that you had wrote the record Estupido Romantico, which later went on to go to Grupo Mas, uh, you actually wrote that and had Selena in mind when you wrote that record, if I'm not mistaken. And at the same time, you had Cio Naves. Kind of tell us that story, because I don't want to. I don't want to butcher the story. No, no, no. That, that, as a matter of fact, that, that song is Stupid Romantico. I co-wrote that with my compadre Ricky Vela, monster writer. For people who don't remember Ricky, he's the one with the glasses, keyboard player that wrote monster songs and is still an incredible songwriter. And Ricky and I have a really cool relationship too. And, and, you know, we would always be messing around with ideas. And I'm telling you the truth. We were kind of just being goofballs, throwing just ideas at each other and just being dumbasses like we would always be doing, just goofing around. And I think he said, we were, we were saying just dumb things to each other. And, I, and I, when I say dumb things to each other, I really mean it. We're just being dumbasses. And he said, he said something along the lines, well, you can write a song about anything. But of course, he was just being payaso. He wasn't really meaning it. And I told him, you know what? I, I sure can. I'm going to write a song about un estupido romántico. Yeah, I'll do that, man. I'll do that. And he said, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, hey, that's not a bad title right there, man. <laughs> so, so I kind of started writing some verses. And then I told Ricky, dude, you can 
Yo no estúpido romántico, ping. They just write a song. So we wrote the song. We wrote a stupid romantico together. And I personally wanted to give it to Selena, but I knew deep down that it was too aggressive. It was too aggressive. Just the word estupido in a song. I don't think I've ever heard it before in a song, or at least I can't remember if there is. If there is, you know, but I had never, at least in our market, I never heard somebody say estupido in a song, which I knew was a little too aggressive for Selena because we had a, the music we would do for it was very clean, very, uh, the image is very young and very innocent per se. Uh, so it was me like kind of taking a long shot. And I think it's, I think I showed it to A.B. once it was kind of, we had a little foundation. And he's like, no, I don't think it's good. <laughs> you know, I don't even think he showed it to his dad because it was, like I said, it's a little too aggressive. At the same time, Ricky Vela is writing this little song called este, no me queda más. No me queda más. He's writing that. And he says, I'm going to send this to Maz. And maybe I'm lying because it's been such a long time, but I could have sworn I told, dude, you need to give that to Selena. That's, I mean, that's incredible, man. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. But he, he, Ricky is such a humble and shy guy. And I think that's what it was. He was just being humble and he thought he was, they're not going to like it, whatever, whatever. But I told him he could do this. It's an incredible song, man. You got to give it to Sel. Why don't I? He didn't. So since I couldn't give my song to Sel, the one we wrote together, we decided to send it to Grupo Mas. And we sent him a Supio Romantico. So then he put in there too, uh, No Me Queda Mas. And then we had a third song that I can't remember. So we sent him those three songs. And they reject No Me Queda Mas. <laughs> keep it to a romantico and once they didn't take it that's why i told ricky man that's a sign dude you need to give that song to selena man it's that, that's the destiny of that song and i think he, i think he finally showed it to ab and then from there you know they took it and, and turned it into the masterpiece that it's supposed to be and the interpretation of, uh, of selena incredible man so but i think those songs were predestined to be where they where they ended up. Yeah, I, don't think, I, I don't think either one would be working, or maybe they would have, but I think where they landed, that's where they were supposed to be. So crazy to me, and I still managed to butcher it because I said to you and I but it was No Me Queda Mas. And those are two of their bigger biggest records as well. And obviously you guys having a hand in those records. I mean, uh, when you talk about Grupo Mas, that's actually my favorite record from them. So, yeah. you know, I, I thought it was a really cool story to hear that. But yeah, we, we wrote a, I wrote a, also wrote a, a Acaso No Soy. I wrote that one also for them. And yeah. I wrote another one. I wrote about three. For a lot of artists at that time. I'm, I'm assuming you wrote for a lot of different artists. Yeah. So, but uh, no, I mean, I'm there was a really good camaraderie between all of us. And there was a really good chemistry between all of us. You know, and the work that we did together. I mean, it was, it was, just, uh, it was a group effort, man. It was a team effort. And everybody, you know. Had their, everybody had their job. And of course, you know, Amy was, of course, the musical director and he was the one in charge of everything. But you, he would delegate, you know, you do this, you do that. And it was, I mean, like I said, it was a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and absolutely, it was an old, a well-oiled machine. And then you also look at it from the perspective is not only did you guys produce hits for yourselves, but as you start creating these hits for other artists, it, it really kind of changed the course of, of music. You know, because you guys were changing. Y'all guys were making history, you know, like 
everybody within this band and, and you yourself as well. And, you know, I want to fast forward now to uh, when you release Comet Extraño, which is, you know, a big record. This is a huge, huge record. And I mentioned to you when I first spoke to you, uh, what made me a fan of yours, you got to remember, you're talking 1985. Not to make you feel old, brother, but I was born in 1985. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but, you know, growing up in the independent record shop, you know, my mom owned in Fort Worth, uh, Centro Popular, for those that made hey, it. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, uh, my mom played a really big part in distributing and selling Tex-Mex music, the Hano music. Uh, so we 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 were able, I was able to see a lot at a young age, which is probably where my passion comes from, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but one thing that I remember is she used to vote for the Tejano Music Award. She was part of like the voting committee that EMI would send her the ballot, right? And I remember we would get the cassettes in whenever the distribution would come in. And I remember when we first got your cassettes, uh, we got the Comet Extraño tape. And yeah. it, was, it was like a purple artwork and it was like- a, Yeah, yeah. The, the, the faded out, you know, uh, picture in the clouds. But, dude, I love that song. I love that song. Anybody that I've told that I'm interviewing you, the first thing that they, they do is they start singing that song. Yeah. Talk about that record. That was a record that you actually wrote for your mother, correct? Yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was actually a combination because, uh, unfortunately, man, I lost two of the most important women in my life in one year. My mom passed away uh, April 12th. 1994 and selena passed away of course march 31st 1995 so that's by days it's, it's a year and i was 94 was a, a, a really rough year for me i mean it was good and work-wise and you know all of that but i lost my mother and it really destroyed me it really it took me a while man to really grasp uh, you know Cross my life again, because like, I, I mean, I really, I'm like anybody else. I mean, it's devastating. It's devastating. And my mom was a young woman. She wasn't that, you know, she wasn't that old, so she wasn't supposed to go. So that's even makes it harder, you know. So I continued working, and I kind of just went full force and work to try to deal with it. And then in '95, man, you know, Selena passes away, and it's devastating again. And it kind of brought all the feelings back to my mom again. And it was just a horrible, horrible, 94 and 95 on a personal note in that sense were horrible. As far as, you know, like the music and everything we were doing incredible. So it, it's, it's, it was one of those, once again, like a bittersweet thing. We're being very successful, but I lost my mom. Then we lose Selena and everything just went bananas. I, I'm telling you, there's, there's periods of time in there that I really don't even remember, man. Like, when do we start doing this again? When do we start working again? When do we start writing again? It's kind of a, there's a blank in there, in, in my head. And I remember some, we started working on an album a few months later with AB. And that's when the idea came about, about, you know, Como Te Extraño. And I remember him telling me, like the way he was feeling. And then I started telling him the way I was feeling. And then he came up with the word like, he goes, como te extraño? And he, yeah, man, yeah, man. And then we kind of started throwing ideas at each other. And it was like, you know, like, it doesn't have to be a song about death. He goes, no, I don't want it to be about death. He goes, it doesn't have to be a song about Cell or my mom. It's gonna, I mean, it is gonna be intended for them. We don't need their names on there. We don't need to talk about death on there. And we were kind of on the same page. 
Um, it got to be a song that anybody can take it and make it their own. Because then we were all going to deal with, unfortunately, we're all going to deal with the situations, you know, loss. And at the same time, it's just about longing, yearning for somebody that's no longer there and, and just really missing somebody so bad. And that was the idea of the song, you know, of course, you know, dedicated to Selena, my mom and to the fans. And it was almost therapeutic for us too, I think. You know, I remember when I finished writing the lyrics, I was at a Red Roof Inn in Corpus Christi, <laughs> writing the lyrics. Joe was with me actually, or finishing up the lyrics. And I remember finishing them up and I told Joe, I don't think it's good, man. Yeah, it kind of came out a little too fast, the parts that I was missing. He goes, well, show them to me, show them to me. And I started showing them to her, like, dude, they're awesome, you know? And I would just, I mean, I was doubting myself because it was, it was so important that I wanted to get it right. But it, it also came out kind of easy because I didn't have to think twice of my feelings. I mean, I was living it. I was, I was hurt. I mean, it was, it was a wound that was still there. And, you know, and, and when Selena passed, like I said, I was devastated for her loss, like we all were. It also brought everything, all the baggage from my mom. And it was really put me in a dark space. So I was doubting myself a lot. But then the next day I showed him to AB and he, he loved them. And from there we went to work to put, put it together. Love that song. It's one of the greatest songs, in my opinion, that's ever Thank been. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. And 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 this this song in specific, my my aunt passed away in 1997. So I remember when she passed. You know, I'm 12 years old. My tia Olga. I have to say her name because I haven't said her mm -hmm. name in a while. My tia Olga. Uh, I remember listening to that song on repeat, uh, and that was one of the songs that really helped me get by, man. And I and so I thank you for creating that record. Because well, but, well, thank you so much for saying that. And you know what? And it's it's funny you should say it because a lot of I get a lot of people that they come up to me and, and with kind of what you just said. They go, "Hey, thanks a lot." That, that song really, you know, it really fills a void. It really helps me go. You know, and it's not even about death. Sometimes I've had you know men. They go, "Why I got divorced? And I can't see my kids, and it's really killing me." Or or vice versa. Or it's with it just adapted to so many things. And I think that's the beauty uh, of the song. You know, when you can make a song. That anybody can say, man, I think that they wrote that just for me. If you can <laughs> capture that, you've captured magic. And, that, and I think that's what we were, we were trying to do. It's not easy to do, but we were trying to do that, not only with that song, but anything we would write for sale or anything we, anything we would write, that, that was the goal. You know, we have to touch people. We have to, it has to mean something. Even if it's kind of funny or kind of cutesy, it has to mean something. And I think at the end of the day, at least in my opinion, it's going to sound like I wrote it just for you. Yeah, no. The moment I hear that opening riff on the record, mm -hmm. I instantly go back to 1997. It yeah. just takes me back to that place. And I, it's hard for me to hear sometimes, to be honest with you. But I love the record. So Thanks I just so much, I gotta let you know, thank you so much for creating that. No, record. no, no. The contrary. Thank you, man. And allowing us to be part of your uh, of that moment, I know it's it's hard, and, and like I said, it's it's inevitable, man. We all go through these, and and you know, I lost. I I don't have my both my parents are gone, and sometimes I even hear the songs, and like it, it just it it tear you up. But sometimes everybody needs a good cry once in a while. It's all yeah. good. Man. Let it out. Let it out. Yeah, you know, uh, mother mother passed away in two thousand and nine, and I think the the coping process. I don't know that you ever truly cope, but uh, I appreciate you sharing that and. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to fast forward now to, 
to 2020. I know we've been talking already for an hour, so I know if we keep it going, we're going to talk for five hours. <laughs> well, buddy, it's, it's, I got nothing to do, man. I got no shows. I got nothing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to ask you, before I, I, I forget, because I know we talked about Selena, the Selena series, and before I completely get away from talking anything related to that, what is your relationship currently with the Quintanilla family, A.B., uh, and everybody, Abraham, Suzette, how's your relationship now with them? You know what? It's good, man. You know, I, I, we've been friends, like I said, since 88. Um, that's a lot of years. And we've had a, a working and non-working relationship, obviously. You know, after Selena passed, uh, Mr. Quintanilla continued to be my manager up to 2001. I mean, I continued writing with A.B. You know, I wrote some stuff for him with Cumbia Kings. And we're, to me, we're like family, man. We're like family. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's perfect. We've had our ups and downs <laughs> throughout, throughout, throughout the years. We haven't agreed on some things. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, 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 we're like family. You know, we, we put, you know, we forget, we forget, we put it aside and, and continue. So I think my relationship is really good with him. You guys created history together. Yeah, like I said, you know, Abraham, like he's, like I said, he was my manager for many years, but I, I put him as my friend before my manager, and the same thing with Abby and Suzette, you know, they're, they're my friends, and, and I know we had a working relationship, and and to this day, actually, we still kind of do, because, you know, since I own some of the music, uh, the stuff that I co-wrote with Abby and stuff, we still have that working relationship, you know, because of the series, and anytime there's any type of licensing, or anything like that, so it's, so it's, we still have a relationship as a working relationship, but I consider them more my friends than a working relationship. That's awesome. Do you have a relationship with Chris Perez? I'm going to say... That's a touchy subject. I just have to ask, you know, because a lot of people want to know. No, no, the thing is, this is the thing, man. I have the same relationship of, with, with Chris Perez as with the rest of the band, like with Ricky, with Joe, you know, and the rest of the family. And the thing is, me personally, I haven't been affected, but in the sense that they're going through a lot, them, yeah, the family and Chris, but I really, I, I'm really not involved in it. So I really don't know. I just know what, you know, it sometimes comes out on TV shows or on Gordo La Flaca or stuff like that, or, you know, social media. But honestly, I, I really don't know what's, what's going on aside from that. And it's it's a really touchy subject, man, and and it's hard to get in the middle of it. I, me personally, I wish things would just be right, you know, and, and and make things right. And life is short, man, and 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 I think if anything, we learned in twenty twenty is the value of time. Yeah, and I think that's it's 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 a precious commodity because once you lose it, man, you're gonna get it back. So that's what I'm saying. That like just. Try to fix things, man. Try to fix things, make them right. And like I said, I really wish I could tell you more, but I really don't know. But I mean, I I have a great relationship with Chris. Like I said, we don't see each other. We don't. We don't because, like, first of all, nobody can see each other right now. But he has his own life. He has his own career, his own band, and stuff like that. Uh, the one I hang out more is, is still with Joe because we still work together. But I mean, he's a great guy, man, and and you know I love him. But I, I really don't know what the relationship between them is. And I really wish I could just fix it, man, and, and make things right and enjoy the time that we're together. 
Absolutely. And I just I want to know if you had a relationship with him. So, you know, just so we're clear, but yeah. I appreciate you touching on that. Uh, what are you working on right now? What What do we have coming from you? I mean, you, you have a great body of work. I know I skipped some of that, but I kind of wanted to kind of get into some of those some of those questions, you know? Yeah, well, right now, man, actually, for the last two, three years, man, I've been working with Joe Head again. We got a brand new band. Well, not that brand new, but we got a new band called Technomex, which what we're doing is kind of taking all the music that, that we did, you know, with, with my band and all the music that we did, him and I, you know, with Selena, the stuff that I co-wrote with AB or with Ricky or with him or, or, or with Selena herself. And we're going to do it. We're doing a show where we're going to showcase the history of our lives and the music of our lives. And so in this band, I have a, a girl singer, Sonia La Paz and Diego Garcia, who's my guitar player. And I guess some of my old band members too, Jaime, Mo, Jaime Mojica, Ricky Landeros. And of course my sidekick from for 35 years, Joe Ojeda. And of course, Joe did a lot of the leads back in the day for Selena and stuff when, she, when he was uh, playing for her. So we're trying, we're not trying to be a, a cover band we're not trying to be a trying to imitate because there's no way in the world anybody could ever get that sound we're trying to give the people that experience the people that didn't get to live it back then obviously there's a lot of young fans man tons so we're trying to give them a little piece of what we used to do back then and like i said it's, it's a little bit of selena stuff that i co-wrote for her that ab the rick the joe i'm sorry played with her and a lot of the stuff that i do as pita studio and now we get some new music coming out too. We, uh, I get a, I was supposed to release a couple of singles this year. I got one with Eric from Grupo Masore, uh, Cumbia that we did together. And I get a brand new song also coming out, God willing, early next year. And it has to do with the pandemic. It's, uh, I kind of wrote it playing around. And I was watching the, the Mexican news, Univision. And they were talking about, you know, tienen que estar todos separados. And all this and all that. And it kind of just stuck in my head a word. And I just started kind of saying it over and over. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to write a song about this, but I'm going to make it a little lighter. I'm going to get that same important message, that same very serious message, but in a lighter way that people might, you know, they say it's easier to uh, make something go down with a little bit of sugar instead of forcing it down your throat. So that's what I did. I wrote this song about, about washing your hands, being respectful, um, keeping your distance, uh, and, and but it, with a little bit of humor and a lot of rhythm. And it's gonna be coming out at the beginning of the year. But for me, I have an important message, uh, uh, serious message, but with a little bit of humor and a, little, a, lot, of, a, lot, of, a lot of ritmo. And I also got a song coming out with Joe Hela, because since this whole thing with the series started, Believe it or not, we've been getting attention on social media as the bad boys. And people want to know who are the bad boys and is it really true or is it something that they made up and stuff like that. And I go like, no, we, we really were the bad boys. Even here in Laredo, my hometown, I've had people like uh, local government, people like, hey, man, come out on the series. Laredo's on the series. Is, is it really true that you guys were the bad boys from Laredo? Yes, it's us, people who were part of Selena. So I, I've got a lot of people very proud that we're putting Laredo on the map by being on the series. And so I said, you know what? Joe, Joe approached me about three weeks ago with an idea, him and, and Bobo, the guy is producing this stuff with us. And at first I thought it was kind of cheesy, but <laughs> no, because 
it, it, the song is it's about us, about Joe and myself. And, and I said, I don't know if I'm cool writing something about us, man. I don't feel that important, that special to be writing something about myself and you. But then when the series, when I finally finished watch the series, is you know what? This kind of does fit now because people are kind of talking about it. So it's kind of a, it's, it's it's kind of our lives, how we came to be with Selena, what we did with Los Dinos, and kind of like our interpretation of, of our gratitude to the fans, to Los Dinos, to La Familia Quintanilla, of what they allowed us to do. So it's kind of our history. And that's coming out, that's gonna come out as Joe Heda, Peter Toledo, the bad boys. Oh man, we gotta <laughs> We might as well get the Bad Boys reunion album and get the merch. Hey, it's only two of us, man. It's not that hard. <laughs> we got to get the Bad Boys reunion tour. So quarantine, man, uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, this this year was very, very crazy, to say the least. Uh, how did you spend this year? Did you, did you do a lot of writing? Did you do a lot of creating music? You know, we, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of writing this year. I mean, it, I think all of us... Uh, I've been, we've been dealing with it the, the best we can. And, and, you know, in March, when all of this started getting kind of crazy, I mean, I, I think like everybody, we all thought, ah, it's going to be a couple of months, we go back to work. But when everything started getting canceled and everything started closing down, it, it took me about a couple of months to kind of like get in the right frame of mind, like, what do I heck do I do now? Mm -hmm. And I kind of started writing stuff, you know, just getting ideas and, and concepts and, working out in my backyard a little bit and but bottom line i've really been at home man from from here to heb which is a grocery store here in the south and in, in the in laredo or in south texas and or, or the lows and doing some home repairs and painting and cleaning and you know just anything you can think of to to keep entertained but we've i've been writing some stuff and, and thank god i think I think we got some good stuff for next year and all the stuff that we wanted to do in 2020. God willing, we'll be able to do it in 2021. But I'm very blessed, man. I'm, I'm extremely lucky that I can do that out of home. And, you know, I'm, but I, I feel for the people that, 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 that lost their jobs, that lost their homes, lost family. We personally, we, we got hit with it, man. I lost my dad's brother, my dad's sister, and my dad's sister's husband, Tres Dios, as we speak right now, um, my brother's in the hospital and my cuñada is at home trying to get uh, better. My two other siblings also were in the hospital. One of them was in the hospital, one of them. So I've got four siblings that got it too. So it's, it's, we've been hit hard, man. It's been tough, but I guess at the same time, I can't complain because I know there's people out there that are suffering beyond what I, I, what I can say. And it's we've got we got a ways to go, man. We have to respect, man. We have to respect each other. Follow the guidelines. Mask up. You know, it's easy, man. Just mask up and follow the guidelines. Thank God, right now we got the vaccines, and God willing, we all gonna get them. And God willing, and hopefully we'll go back to a probably a new normal. I don't think we're ever gonna go back to the old normal, but hopefully a new normal. And, and I'm just hopeful, man. I'm hopeful, and I, and I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm just hopeful, but we need to respect each other, man. I think that's the thing that we lost. At least there was too much division, man, too much division. Uh, and it got ugly, man. It got ugly. And on top of that, on top of it all, we had this pandemic, we had this uh, virus 
attacking us and we were not united. And I think it made it worse. So I think we need to unite, respect, respect, respect. Well, you know I want to go ahead and wrap up because, you know, we have a lot more to talk about, but I want to save some of that stuff from whenever I bring you out here for a show because I plan to- bring- I love to, man. Yes, of course. 2021, we're going to bring you to come out and do a show out here in Fort Worth. As you know, I do concerts. I'm a promoter. So I want to definitely bring you out here. Uh, first chance, you know, have a great show. Um, but uh, before I wrap up, I do want to say to your point, you know, oh, by the way, I want to salute to Laredo, Texas. I know you mentioned them a few times. Shout out to the Mall of the North there. I'm not sure if it's still out there. <laughs> You know what I mean? It is, man. Shout out to the uh, uh, Mall of the North. I, I remember going there as a kid because my, my family lived out there for a while. So I visited that mall and I always remember that. Um, but, um, you know, to your point, man, you know, I think uh, life is short, you know, uh, and, and as Mexican-Americans, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a first generation Mexican-American. You know, my, my, my mom and my dad were both born in, both born in Mexico. And I know how prideful we are as a culture. And at times we 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 hold grudges. And then, you know, it, you kind of see it even now with the series coming out, you know, just how critical and how passionate our people are. But it's because we hold what we love to our heart so close, right? Yeah, exactly. and, and I feel like this platform right here, you giving me the opportunity to speak to you, to hear from you, it's so appreciated because you you're you're you represent us you you represented us for now i mean not to make you feel old brother but it's been like i don't know 30 years now you know? 35 years brother i've been doing this man 35 years you know so uh you know i i really want to say thank you and and i want to give you your your respect because you know you're you're just such a talented musician such a talented songwriter you 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 you're clearly part of history you played a really big part in history not only from you know playing with Selena and Los Dinos, but also your your solo career, your your songwriting, you you've helped cultivate this culture. And on behalf of all the Mexican Americans and all the Latinos, I want to say thank you for your contributions. Compared to the contrary, man, I've been extremely blessed, man. I'm telling you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. I I, I couldn't have asked for anything more, dude. Because I, I every day, you know, I, I I'm a kid that was. Working in the fields in Colorado, man, thinning beats. And when I went from, from the fields to one of some of the biggest stages, you know, in this country and in Mexico. So, man, I've been able to contribute to some of the biggest songs in Latin history, man. Songs that are going to go down in history. They're going to be here many, many years after I'm gone, man. So I'm blessed and lucky, man. I, of course, you know that. Familia Quintanilla gave me an opportunity, you know, A.B., Abraham, of course, Suzette, Selena, they give me a chance to be part of something that at the time we had no idea how big and how important and how it was going to be, become part of our history, of you know, Mexican-American history. And so to me, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I pinch myself every day and I'm so grateful. I'm eternally grateful to the family, man, all of them. And like I said, we still have, we still have a good relationship. God willing, we can still continue to work and, you know, and, and do good things. But also, la raza, man, toda la raza que, que nos escucha. No. Y la música de Selena, ya no nomás es música tejana, ya pasó. A mí, ya cruzó para todos lados, alrededor del mundo. En México, que fue donde se le abrió las puertas, en un principio, en Monterrey especialmente, eh, tiene que ver mucho el éxito de Selena con Monterrey, con México, que la llevó al mundo entero. So we want to thank all la raza, all la racita, everywhere, man. Central South America, you know, 
Europa, donde sea que, nos, que, que escuchan la música de Celine y los niños, que la apoyan en aquel entonces y hasta la fecha, a los niños ahorita, hay muchos niños que, que, que adoran a Celina. So we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, man. And like I said, me, man, I am blessed. Like I said, I'm blessed to be part of this. I was blessed to have a little part of myself in that history. And um, God willing, I'll continue to do good work in the future. So be looking out for that, for the new stuff, for those bad boys, Pita Studio, Technomex. Bad boys. God willing, I'll be where, God willing I, I think, you know, I did some work with AB last year that hasn't been released yet. So we got, I got some stuff coming out with AB too that, he, that we co-wrote together. So I want to continue writing with that Mexican, man. I, li I love that guy. He's been a huge part of my life and huge part of my success. I mean, he's one of the persons that really gave me a, a chance along with the rest of the family. And Ricky Vela, of course, we want to continue writing. Joe, Heather, everybody, man. And Suzette, Marcela, Abraham, you know, love them all. And thanks for the opportunity. And of course, thanks to the main lady, Selena, that allowed me to be. I just imagine, man, this is a little kid out of, little kid, but young man out of Laredo with no experience. And she allowed me to sing next to her. She allowed me to dance with her. She allowed me to be part of her band and Los Dinos. And that was the generosity she had. That was the kind of heart she had. Never thought about it twice. I did three duets with her, man. I was a nobody when I did Ama Mekirame. And she backed me up and she agreed to it. And that's the kind of generosity. That's the kind of heart she had. So, I mean, to me, I'm just grateful to the family till the day I die, brother. That's awesome. Well, thank you for the time. And like I said, man, we got to save some of our conversation for whenever we get you in studio. And, uh, and I thank you so much again for joining us. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Uh, but before I leave, to the fans, you say what? Wait a minute. Really quick. Is this going to come out on before Christmas? After, after Christmas, I'm assuming, right? Correct. It will be out after Christmas, right before the New Year. Okay. I want to send a shout out to a Christmas shout out and all that. And also push my social media and all that. I want to, you want to say it again? I'll, I'll take it there. So uh, before we wrap up, man, uh, I mean, I appreciate your time as always. To the fans, you say what before we leave? Compare to the fans we see, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for so much support, so much love. And to all of us, man, because, you know, like I said, we, 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 our school was Selena Los Dinos, you know? And from there, we all branched out, you know, AB Cumbia Kings, Cumbia All-Stars, Joe and Chris did the Chris Price Project at the Pita Studio. Suzette, of course, she's running the company. Mr. Quintanilla has been a manager. So, but they, and they showed love to all of us. I'm sorry, I almost forgot Ricky Vela. Mr. No Me Queda Más. Ricky Vela working also with Productions. We've all done different things and they've showed us so much love when we were Selena Ludinos and then, you know, separately. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to say everybody, Feliz Navidad. Que tengan un próspero año nuevo 2021. Que nos traiga salud, amor, cariño, respeto. Estén pendientes que vienen cosas nuevas. And also look us up on social media. Um, on her in, in Instagram, Pita Studio Official, you know, hit me up on Facebook. And compare it to you, Lorenzo, man, I, I wish you the best, man. Continued success, man. I've seen some of the other shows. I saw the one you did with your twin, AB. Este, este, <laughs> really good work. But it continued success, man, because you guys, man, you, you're, you're also putting, you know, La Raza on the map, man. So thank you too, man, for what you do. Keep yeah. up the so important because in journalism and in media we don't have enough representation exactly and there's a lot of these platforms that that broadcast their culture 
And I started really, it was actually a friend that, uh, that I was talking to, my friend Hector. He was telling me, he's like, hey, man, you know, you should really, you know, make it a point to, to focus on our culture. And I said, well, I do that anyways, but you're right. And so here we are, man. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this platform can bring some more new listeners to, to your catalog as well. And eventually we'll get you in studio and eventually we'll get you over here back in town to do a show. But until then, man, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Kumpara, thank you. And I just want to say once again, man, mask up, take care, stay safe.